Chapter One of Andreas Vesalius, the Reformer of Anatomy, by James Morris Ball. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter First: Anatomy in Ancient Times. Egypt and Greece were the sources of the medical learning of the ancient world. Although the Egyptians and early Greeks possessed a certain amount of anatomical knowledge, which was gained in the one instance by the practice of embalming, and in the other by an examination of the bones no real progress could be made because of the laws customs and prejudices of those ancient peoples thus we find the egyptians stoning the operator who opened the abdomen in order that the body might be embalmed and the greeks inflicted the death penalty on those of their generals who after a battle neglected to bury or burn the remains of the slain hippocrates in the time of Hippocrates, whose life extended approximately over the period between 460 to 377 BC, Greek medicine emerged from the domination of the Asclepiadae, or priests of Asclepius, who had followed it as an hereditary and secret art. Prior to this time, in the numerous Asclepia, or temples of Asclepius, votive offerings had been accepted some of which were of anatomical interest thus the temple at athens received a silver heart and gold eyes pausanias states that hippocrates gave to the temple of apollo at delphos a skeleton which was made of brass possibly as mersens believes this was a metallic figure representing a man who was much emaciated by the ravages of disease in the Hippocratic writings, some of which are undoubtedly spurious, are few references to the opening of a dead body, and these examinations concern the investigation of the thorax and abdomen in order to determine the cause of death. While the Greek physicians knew little of the human muscles, of the nervous system, and of the organs of sense, they were well acquainted with the anatomy of the bones. Their dissections were held upon the lower animals it is impossible to determine whether or not the greek physicians of the hippocratic period dissected the human body it has long been a matter of debate says john bell whether the ancients were or were not acquainted with anatomy and the subject with its various bearings has been much and keenly agitated by the learned if anatomy had been much known to the ancients their knowledge would not have remained a subject of speculation we should have had evidence of it in their works but on the contrary we find hippocrates spending his time in idle prognostics and dissecting apes to discover the seat of the bile galen states that the ancient physicians did not write works on anatomy that such treatises were at that time unnecessary because the asclepiadae to whose family hippocrates belonged secretly instructed their young men in this subject and that opportunities were given for such study in the temples of asclepius aristotle the first systematic dissections seems to have been made by the pythagorean philosopher ausmeon who lived in the sixth century b c but it is uncertain whether he dissected brutes or men the cochlea of the ear and the omnius of the fetus were named by empedocles of agrigentum in the fifth century b c the nerves were first distinguished from the tendons by aristotle three eighty four to three twenty two b c the most celebrated zootomists of antiquity 
who has been called the father of comparative anatomy for twenty centuries his views of natural phenomena were held in high esteem for a long period the early inhabitants of rome were practically without physicians during severe epidemics they had recourse to oracles to the health deities of the greeks and to their native gods as early as the fifth century b c during a pestilence a temple was erected to apollo as healer the worship of asclepius was introduced into rome in the year 291 b c livy relates that the god of medicine in the guise of a serpent was transported from epidaurus in greek to the isle of the tiber where a temple was built in his honour the romans like the greeks were accustomed to leave votive offerings or donaria in their temples such gifts included surgical instruments pharmaceutical appliances painted tablets representing miraculous cures and great numbers of images of various parts of the human frame shaped in metal stone or terracotta among the remains of roman anatomical art is the marble figure which was unearthed in the villa of antonius musa the favorite physician of the emperor augustus it is a human torso the front of the chest and abdomen has been removed so as to expose the viscera the heart is placed vertically in the middle of the thorax thus corresponding to the position of this organ as described by galen who made his dissections on apes it is a human thorax with simian contents the figure is supposed to have been constructed for the purpose of a teacher of anatomy alexander the great it was in the famous alexandrian university that human anatomy was first studied systematically and legally alexander the great after the fall of tyre three thirty two b c and the siege of gaza ordered his fleet to sail up the nile as far as memphis while he proceeded overland with the army it was probably on this march while viewing the pyramids and other marvellous works of the ancient egyptians that he conceived the grand idea of founding a city upon the banks of the nile which should be a model of architectural beauty a centre of intellectual life and a lasting monument of his own greatness and magnificence the foundation of alexandria was laid by the warrior whose name it bears but the credit of instituting the library belongs to one of his lieutenants ptolemy soter ptolemy soter the new city which for centuries was the intellectual and commercial storehouse of europe africa and india was of oblong form lake mariotas washed its walls on the south while the mediterranean bathed its ramparts on the north provided with broad streets it was adorned with magnificent houses temples and public buildings at the centre of the city was the mausoleum in which was deposited the body of alexander embalmed after the manner of the egyptians alexandria was divided into three parts the regio judadorum or jews quarters in the northwest the rachotis or egyptian section on the west containing the serapium with a large part of the library and on the north the brucheum or greek portion containing the greater part of the library the museum the temple of the caesars and the court of justice the population was cosmopolitan in character the statues of the greek gods stood by the side of those of osiris and of isis the jews forgot their language and spoke greek and under the ptolemies who were of greek descent 
alexandria became a centre of intellectual life and culture to the medical historian the most interesting feature of alexandria was the museum or university here were assembled the intellectual giants of the earth archimedes and hero the philosophers apelles the painter hipparchus and ptolemy the astronomers euclid the geometer Eratosthenes and strabo the geographers menetho the historian aristophanes the rhetorician theocritus and calamicus the poets and aristratus and herophilius the anatomist all of which labored in quiet upon the peaceful banks of the nile the early Christian church drew from the divine school at Alexandria such eminent teachers as Origen and Athanasius. Here were a chemical laboratory, a botanical and zoological garden, an astronomical observatory, a great library, and a room for the dissection of the dead. In the Alexandrian school of medicine, Aristratus and Herophilius taught the science of organization from actual dissections. The generosity of the Ptolemies not only furnished them with an abundance of dead material, but condemned malefactors were used for human vivisection. Celsus states that the Alexandrian anatomist obtained criminals for dissection alive and contemplated, even while they breathed, those parts which nature had before concealed. Hierophilus made many anatomical discoveries. He traced the delicate arachnoid membrane into the ventricles of the brain, which he held to be the seat of the soul. The first described that junction of the six cerebral sinuses opposite the occipital protuberance, which to this day is called the torcular aerophili. He saw the lacteals, but knew not their use, and regarded the nerves as organs of sensation arising from the brain. He described the different tunics of the eye, giving them names which are still retained, and first named the duodenum and discovered the epididymis. He attributed the pulsation of arteries to the action of the heart, the paralysis of muscles to an affection of the nerves, and first named the furrow in the fourth cerebral ventricle, calling it calamus scriptorius. Erisistratus gave names to the oracles of the heart, declared that the veins were blood vessels, and the arteries, from being found empty after death, were air vessels. He believed that the purpose of respiration was to fill the arteries with air. The air distended the arteries, made them beat, and in this manner the pulse was produced. When once the air gained entrance to the left ventricle, it became the vital spirits. The function of the veins was to carry blood to the extremities. He is said to have had a vague idea of the division of nerves into nerves of sensation and of motion. To the former he assigned an origin in the membranes of the brain, while the latter proceeded from the cerebral substance itself. He recognized the use of the trachea as the tube which conveys air to the lungs. A catheter, the first invented, which was figured in ancient surgical works, bore the name of the catheter of Aristotle. He gravely tells us, as the result of his anatomical studies, that the soul is located in the membranes of the brain. The practice of human dissection did not long exist in the city of its origin, and after the second century was unknown. Then science underwent a retrogression. Observations and experiments were replaced by useless discussions and subtle theories. 
the decline of the alexandrian university was due to a series of disasters which began with the roman domination and reached their climax with the capture of the city by the arabs galen claudius galenus the celebrated roman physician whose writings were for centuries accepted as authority and whose reputation was second only to that of hippocrates was obliged to base his anatomical treatises largely upon the dissection of the lower animals he advised his pupils to visit alexandria where he had studied in order that they might examine the human skeleton he complained that the physicians of his time, in the reign of Marcus Aurelius, had entirely neglected anatomical knowledge and had degenerated into mere sophists. He appreciated the importance of anatomy, particularly to a surgeon who is called upon to treat wounds and injuries. Hence he has endeavored in the four books, De Anatomicis Administrationibus, to cover this part of anatomy as exhaustively as possible galen's voluminous writings form a precious monument of ancient medicine the works of the alexandrian anatomists have been destroyed we know of their labors chiefly from what galen has said of them his treatises show a remarkable familiarity with practical anatomy although his dissections were made upon the lower animals galen's knowledge of osteology was extensive he described the bones of the skull, the cranial sutures, and the essential features of the malar, maxillary, ethmoid, and sphenoid bones. He divided the vertebra into cervical, dorsal, and lumbar classes. He knew that both arteries and veins were blood-carrying vessels. He described the valves of the heart and recognized this organ as the source of pulsation. He erroneously taught that the interventricular septum presents foramina through which the two kinds of blood become mixed. In myology, Galen made numerous advances. Previous to his investigation, says Fisher, much confusion existed as to what constituted a single muscle. He adopted the general rule of considering each bundle of fibers that terminates in an independent tendon to be one muscle. He was the first to describe and give names to the platysma myoides, the sterno and thyrohyodes, and the popliteal. He described the six muscles of the eye, two muscles of the eyelids, and four pairs of muscles of the lower jaw the temporal to raise, the masseter to draw to one side, and two depressors corresponding to the digastric and internal petrigoid muscles. He described also the brachialis anticus, the biceps flexor cubiti, the sphincter and levator ani, and the straight and oblique muscles of the abdomen. In short, he described the greater portion of the muscles of the body, his treatise differing chiefly from a modern one in the minute account of these organs and in the omission of some of the smaller muscles. Galen studied the brain and named the corpus callosum, the septum lucidum, the corpora quadrigemini, and the fornix, but erroneously stated that the nerves of sensation arise from the brain and those of motion from the spinal cord he denied the decussation of the optic nerve he described the pneumogastric and sympathetic nerves 
seven pairs of cerebral and thirty pairs of spinal nerves and claimed the discovery of the ganglia of the nervous system he located the seat of the soul in the brain which also is the source of the rational mind the heart to him was the source of courage and of anger and the liver was the seat of desire many of galen's anatomical statements show that he derived his knowledge from comparative dissections the galenic era was followed by that long period of ignorance of slumber and of inaction which is justly known as the dark ages while a few greek and arab writers who came after galen contributed to the literature of medicine and surgery they did nothing for anatomy after the end of the fifth century even the works of galen were forgotten at this period when medicine was chiefly in the hands of the jews the arabs and the bigoted clergy nothing was done for science or for art the whole influence of christianity was exerted against the schools of philosophy illustrious apostles of the church pronounced anathemas against the reading of the ancient classics and eminent ecclesiastics regarded disease as a divine penalty or as an invaluable aid to saintly advancement art and anatomy were practically forgotten their renaissance occurred almost simultaneously during the period from the seventh to the fourteenth centuries the school of salernum was for medicine what bologna became for law and paris for philosophy here for eight hundred years medicine was taught to thousands of students and the impress of the profession was so potent that the city called itself civitas hippocratica and thus its seals were stamped here medical diplomas were first issued to waiting students who took a sacred oath to serve the poor without pay here with a book in his hand a ring on his finger and a laurel wreath on his head the candidate was kissed by each professor and was told to start upon his way here women were professors and vied with men in spreading the doctrines of our art for a period of several hundred years anatomy was taught at salernum from dissections made upon pigs Kofo, one of the salernian professors of the early part of the twelfth century wrote a treatise anatomia porci which gives minute directions regarding the manner in which the animal is to be dissected another anatomical work of later date written by a member of the salernian faculty is entitled demonstratio anatomica it also deals only with comparative anatomy in the thirteenth century a d twelve thirty one frederick the second emperor of germany and king of the two sicilies and the author of a treatise which contained a complete anatomy of the falcon decreed that a human body should be anatomized at salernum at least once in five years physicians and surgeons of the kingdom were required to be present at the dissection so far as is known no record has been kept of these demonstrations creditable as was this anatomic decree the great hohenstaufen in other respects was not free from the errors of his age a firm believer in medicina astrologica he did not decide upon any undertaking until the stars had been consulted it was not alone at salernum that dissection was legalized in the thirteenth century 
a document of the year thirteen o eight of the maggiore concilio of venice shows that a medical college located in that city was authorized to dissect a body once a year this and other isolated examples indicate that the time was approaching when anatomy should be taught from human dissections the credit of reinaugurating the teaching of this useful department of science belongs to mondino de illusi of bologna End of chapter one